I know you played it yesterday. Uh, Chromeo. Chromeo. Yeah. Word up. Right at the beginning of uh, quarantine, they put out uh, some songs about the virus. Oh, so they have several. They have several. Okay. Interesting. That's the best one, though. That's that's the one, the hit that you went with. It's a good beat. Uh, Yeah. I'll play the next one for you in the next break. Okay. And the next, uh, when we return next time. Sure. Okay. Well, let's jump into the uh, NFL, though, this week. And it started last night with uh, Thursday night football, and it was quite a game. I mean, it really was um, with the Chiefs and the Chargers. And Kansas City makes yet another statement by getting a win yesterday and staying hot. Seven in a row, defense had been doing most of the heavy lifting the last couple of weeks. Last night, we saw kind of where that offense can go and what they are capable of doing. But where this game became a talking point for a lot of people is uh, the decision-making that was made by the Chargers on decisions to take points off the board, to be more aggressive, to go for fourth downs. Oh, by the way, the beginning of the game, man, how scary was that with uh, Donald Parham? Um, I'd never quite seen a play like that where a player basically, I, I don't want to say he knocked himself out, but he, he there was no contact there, and he went into the turf and hit his head. It was just, And then it was just brutal. I know, I know hey, people are there to do their jobs, but the cameraman to just go right in there and zoom in on his face when – you know he's knocked out, and it just was awkward, and his hands were in that. He just was not in a normal position, and just frightening situation. Then even when he's put on the stretcher and taken off the field and arms are still kind of shaking, it's just, oh, man, it's really, really tough to see. But by all accounts, I saw earlier today the Chargers had tweeted out that uh, he was recovering, doing well, and was expected to be released from the hospital today, but... Man, moments like that. And that was right. That was the what, third or fourth play of the game. It was right at the beginning of the game. Um, but the the crux of the game, the core of the game was good. Back and forth, good plays, good drama. Um, talented teams playing at a pretty good level. But I know Coach Daly's taking a lot of heat for his aggressive nature, I would say, in his fourth down decisions. I've told you from the beginning, he's he's kind of one of my, and this is his first year, one of my football man crushes. I, I like coaches that do that. Now, there's a... I don't know that you have to do it every time. You know, there's a, a down and distance. There's a time and score kind of thing on when we're going to be aggressive, when you're going to take the points. Um, but I know a lot of people were just killing him for the major- the multiple times that he elected to go for it. Let's hear Coach Daly in his own words talk about some of his decisions he made last night. Oh, we're having trouble getting that. Uh, Chris, let me know when we have that. Uh, racked up there and ready to go because I, I want people to hear what you know what he had to say because you know we can have our opinions I've seen pen, plenty of people kill him it's easier to kill him obviously when they lose and it doesn't go their way but um, and that that also happens a lot and I will say that about a coach that goes for too late and they lose and then be, oh kill. well was it a good play did they have it run right there was the game a few weeks ago oh, coach Harbaugh um, I mean, it's off the hands of his tight end. It's it's there for the win. The play was pretty well designed. It was actually well defended too early at the line of scrimmage by Pittsburgh. And, you know, you got another team that's trying to stop you. Um, it's just because the plays don't get converted aren't always doesn't always mean it's a bad decision. 
Now, execution's the other part of it. Anyway, all that being said, let's hear what Coach Daly had to say about his decisions on going for those. You know, I felt really comfortable with all those decisions. And, uh, you know, the first one, it's a you know, perfect pass. And, and, you know, just you have this, this really, you know, tragic thing happen, you know, on the way down. And, uh, you know, the one at the end of the half, I, I, I love that. And, and then it just, you know, we just missed Jared on the stick, you know. And um, that's the way we're going to play around here. That's the way we're going to play. And, um, you know, when we have a quarterback like ours and we have an offense like ours, that's the way we're going to play because that's how you need to play against Kansas City for sure. Um, and that's how uh, we're going to become the team that we're ultimately capable of being is, is by playing that way. And, um, you know, uh, I'm really proud of our guys. I thought like we competed like champions today um, and they made a couple more plays in the fourth quarter and in overtime than we did. But I felt like our guys laid it on the line tonight. And I'm very, very proud of them for that. Okay, so that goes back to I, I, that. To me, listening to that, I like that better. I just like what he's saying, his rationale. This is what we are going to do. That's his identity. I think when you play them, you have to prepare for that, knowing and think about that as a defense. Oh, it's third and eight, and uh, we stopped him. Good. No, you didn't. They're going to go for it. Well, in some cases, you got to believe that they are. That's in their DNA. Oh, they, we only gave up six yards. Good. It's fourth and two. No. You better be ready to have your defense go again and stop them for one more play. That's what he wants to do. I think he's right, too, on Kansas City. I mean, that's a common phrase against the Chiefs. You can't just get field goals and beat them. Generally, that's true. But I like it when he's sticking to his guns. Now, there's going to be plenty of people that disagree with that. That's fine. Um, Chris, you know what this reminds me of? You and I have, have actually had the chance before to play blackjack together. I think you and I play basically the same way. Um. What I appreciate is if someone that doesn't play the same way as you and I generally play is please be, please be consistent. Yes. So, you know, there's people that I never hit on 16. Okay, uh, if if the dealer has a higher card than I do, but if you never do it, then don't do it. Don't go, oh, I have a hunch tonight. now. Like, play the same way all the time. And I think there's a benefit to that over time. And I think in this case for Coach Daly, yesterday's an easy example to say, what are you doing? But I think if that's in your DNA, I think if that's what you want to do, if that's how you want your team to be represented, then you do it. Stay true to yourself. And I appreciate that about him. Now, again, there's plenty of you out there going, what are you doing? You turned down points. That's how you, you could have beat the Chiefs. Could have. But as he said, that first couple of sequences, some drop passes also uh, really killed their opportunity. Now, on the other side, the Chiefs did win. Let's hear Andy Reid. Talk about uh, the game-winning touchdown. You know, if I could jump, I'd jump. You know, with excitement. But um, it was just, uh, it was that locker room was great. I mean, it was phenomenal. The guys after the play or walk off, it's like a walk-off home run. You know, in baseball, but you have a walk-off like that, and the celebration. You look over and you see the guys jumping around, and you know all the hard work that goes into it. I mean, that's satisfying. You know what's great about that too? The last moment, like Travis Kelsey has been a Pro Bowler. Been one of the best tight ends, if not the best tight ends. Won a Super Bowl. Um, all sorts of credit, all sorts of fame. I love it when an athlete does something that maybe even surprises themselves. He was authentically surprised, maybe that he navigated his way all through the traffic to get that touchdown. And he was just he was elated. He should be. They won. That was the walk-off, as Andy Reid said. But he had just an incredible game. Travis Kelsey was just uh, someone the Chargers could not stop all game long. Uh, I think they targeted him, was it 15 times? He caught 10, went for 190 and a couple of scores. He was just tremendous. So uh, he was he was thrilled about the win. Let's hear uh, from the quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, on the game winner. 
that was a special moment just in general. I mean, I, I, never, I don't think I've ever been a part of a walk-off uh, touchdown or anything like that. To be, be in that moment, find him underneath and him making such a, a dynamic play where he cut back, ran, ran by people. I mean, he, you would think he's old, so he can't run by people, but he's still running by people. And, and he got in the end zone. It was just a special moment, and I'm glad that I mean, all that hard work that he puts in every single day is paying off. Yeah, and that's the part, too. Like, you hear it from – Patrick Mahomes, who, I mean, he showed a lot of emotion in the game last night. I know there was the was the two-point conversion. He's rolling out, gets hit as he throws, and, you know, kind of rolls over, gets up, and, you know, he knows the penalty's coming too, fist pump. They, it was an intense game, a lot of Chiefs fans in L.A., and well played. Just two good teams. I mean, the Chargers lost. I don't look at them and go, man, they're not going to the play. Like, that's a good team. That's a really good team. Uh, but the Chiefs were better last night, at least at the end, in winning time, and found a way uh, to get it done, 34-28. to 28. So now what you hope is that kick starts a great week of NFL. Now we know tomorrow was supposed to be the Raiders and the Browns. And as we told you off the top of the show, that game now has been moved. The Browns were the most vocal team of all the teams impacted by COVID protocols, saying, what are we doing? Why are we playing this game? There was stuff that was sourced to a pl- not to a – it was coming from a player not uh, credited to a name behind it from the Browns saying, like, why are we playing? Some of that was even Baker Mayfield, but others had come out and said, Derek Carr is going to carve us up. So the Browns were worried internally about the people they had available. Well, the word is today the league has moved that game from Saturday to Monday. There'll be two Monday games. Saturday will still give us Patriots and Colts, and that game, by the way, is going to be great too with the Patriots, how hot they are now at 9-4, and four, the Colts at seven and six and still a the Colts are still a dangerous team. I mean, I think they've got they had a slow start. They've got between what Taylor's doing offensively and if Wentz can limit the turnovers, that that team's can be a problem too. But getting back into the Raiders, um, let's hear Derek Carr just kind of address where this team is, kind of the struggles they're going through and uh, what they need to do to get a win. That's nuts, right? You know, that makes it is a week-to-week game. As I know, if anyone just is a fan of mine, you know, it's a week-to-week league, that's for sure, because one day they love you, the next day they hate you. Um, you know, they blame you for everything, and then they praise you for stuff that, you know, really, you know, that wasn't even me. And uh, if anyone knows that, I know that, right? But uh, letting our team know that, to keep that mindset. Look, it doesn't matter if we win by a whole bunch of points or we lose by a whole bunch of points. You win by a close game, lose by a close game. You always move on to the next game. And I think that for us to know that we're still right there and we have four AFC teams, you know, uh, that we play, two in the division, it's not going to be easy, but you're telling me that we have a chance. And so uh, the way that we've come to work is uh, we do have a chance, and that's a fact, you know, but we have to win football games. That's all that matters. They're on the outside right now. I mean, it's going to be really, really difficult for the Raiders to make the postseason. I don't think they've got the talent level to do it they need way too many breaks to go their way and they just haven't deserved it they haven't played like a team that deserves to be in the postseason mathematically they're still there and that's what's so great about the league where they are right now in week 15 with four weeks to go 15 16 17 18 that nobody has clinched a spot some teams are in better position but nobody has advanced to the next level with a guaranteed trip there's a few that have been eliminated so it's so wide open and you've got critical games this weekend and the Raiders now move that one to Monday with the Browns that'll help Cleveland I mean, the Raiders didn't have anybody in health and safety protocols to my knowledge while the Browns were over 20 but whatever version of the Browns that get healthy to play on Monday the game's going to be on they're going to play it and 
We've seen, uh, I know, Washington that got moved to Tuesday. Seattle and the Rams that got moved to Tuesday. Washington has their whole quarterback room infected right now or impacted. So they need the extra days to see, what one, how to get ready for the game, two, how many healthy bodies they're going to have. Um, that's going to be another interesting angle to see for games this weekend. Another Is, st- uh, Derek Carr okay. saying that all his fans are just breaking up to make up? It could be. Is that what you took out of that? Yeah. First, yeah. first they love him, then they hate him. Right. That's all they do. That's all they do. It's a game what for fools. It is. It is. Another game of importance this weekend, and based on where they are in standings, I think the Niners, we've talked about them in a really good position, but they've got to keep it that way. And they're 7-6. and six. They get Atlanta, who's 6-7, and seven, who still has a, a playoff chance too, but the value of a win this week at home for the 49ers gets them, obviously, their eighth win. Gets them another tiebreaker over a team that's in the race with them, Atlanta. A team that's in the race with them is Minnesota. They have the tiebreaker. Philly is in the race with them. They have the tiebreaker. So they're in really good position if they can win this week. And it just keeps things going. And if there's ever been a team that tries to impose their will, it's the Niners. And if they can do that and get it to the way they like to play in a Kyle Shanahan DNA team, they're tough. And what that means is play ahead, get ahead, and play from ahead. Special teams, defense, run the ball, short passing game, use the weapons that they need, and just keep adding on and putting more and more pressure on the opposing team. And that's why, you know, when people talk about identity, what's the identity of the team? That's their identity. That's it. That's what the Niners want to be. And when they're off that, they turn it over, they get behind, They have 45 passing attempts from Jimmy G. That's not what they want to do or want to be. And those games are more difficult for them to win. And so that's why I continue to say if they can get in the postseason and be as healthy as possible, they can be dangerous in the playoffs. They really have that ability. Um, They're not the best team, but that DNA that they like to play with fits them, fits their personnel. And they, that can win a lot of playoff games. Limiting turnovers, or like specifically limiting, I'm saying zero. Zero to one turnovers, I think the Niners have a chance every week. Every week. You start to get to two and three mistakes for a team that likes to control the line of scrimmage, control the time of possession, just control the terms of the game. They like to do that. That's when they're at their best. When it starts to get behind on that, and they get behind and give short field, it hurts. The, it just that's It's logic, but I think that's... They're playing the game almost the way, not the way it was designed per se, but maybe the way it has been more in the past. They're not going to just go out and run and shoot and just air it out and try to hit you with 60 pass attempts, and we're going to outscore you. That that doesn't fit them. So this is an opportunity for them in at home against Atlanta to keep that going and just really keep the feel good. I mean, the Niners, you look at what was going on early, that's where what they were doing. They were making mistakes. They were turning the ball over, um, you know, had injuries when Jimmy G was out in that game where Trey Lance started. And the defense kept him in it, but just, you know, they got out of the, oh, the Colts game is probably the best example. I know that was rainy and wet and terrible conditions, but sloppy were the 49ers. But since then, you know, they beat the Bears. They had the bad loss at home to the uh, Cardinals. Great win against the Rams. Beat the Jags. Beat the Vikings. Just a dismal second half against the Seahawks. But then last week, the much-needed win with a good finish in OT. 
to beat the Bengals. So Niners are in a good position here. If they can beat the Falcons, then they close with the Titans, the Texans, and the Rams. But again, a team that, that kind of needs it done in their terms. All right, let's get to some more games and some more storylines for the week. We talked yesterday about hearing the news two nights ago. It was really here at the arena when the Kings were wrapping up their game that Urban Meyer was gone. And by all accounts, everyone now is saying, thank goodness, good riddance. I thought he would get fired at the end of the year, but he's already done. And, man, the slander of him is coming out, and that's fine. I mean, I'm not here to defend him by any means, but, you know, people could just let that go. Oh, the guy's gone. That's fine. We'll move on. People are on the attack on him, and the stories that keep coming out, it just is so unflattering for Urban Meyer, and it's it's a good thing for that organization and those players. They have to move on. It's just it was too too much. Too much was going on there. Now, they're going to play this week. Jacksonville is one of the teams that's eliminated, but I wonder if they just feel like they can breathe again, and it's a new opportunity. It's the Texans and Jags, not the game of the week by any means, but I do want you to hear from a couple involved there. Let's hear from Daryl Bevel, who will be coaching, talks about uh, just trying to focus on this game and not anything related to Urban Meyer. I just want to keep everything on Houston and maybe at the end, you know, is when the time to reflect and go back and look back at all the things that happened. But it really is a time where, you know, it's it's four games left in the season and we want everything and all the narrative and all the all the communication just going on and, and, and taking on the Texans. Yeah, that's the right thing to say. I mean, coaches don't have to get into that. We've heard coaches and some others that have said what Urban Meyer said to them about how he's referred to them, how they he's referred to players. That was just a toxic culture. So this is a cleansing. This is an addition by subtraction. And they'll ultimately have a new coach come next season. But they have their number one pick. They think they have their quarterback of the future. And that was the unfortunate thing. When they knew they had number one, they wanted Urban Meyer to be the one to groom Trevor Lawrence, to be the one to take him to a Pro Bowl franchise-type level. And Trevor Lawrence is already on to coach two and then likely coach three to start next season. But let's hear Trevor Lawrence talk about uh, all these uh, situations going on there in Jacksonville. It's weird. You know, it's different, different deal, something I've never experienced. You know, some of the guys, obviously, like, that were in Detroit, you know, Marv, this is kind of similar to last last year. For me, I think it's uh, it, it brings a little bit of clarity to the guys in the locker room. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say relief. It just brings some clarity and some direction moving forward. Well, the thing I think about with Trevor Lawrence and hearing that cut earlier today was you know, when we referenced out here, San Francisco, Alex Smith, I remember the, the talking points early on, he was, you know, on his fourth coordinator in four years. Like Those are challenges. Those are difficult things. And it's impossible to know how much that has hampered someone's career or derailed them. I think continuity and the same voice and the um, same philosophy is helpful. Now, sometimes you need a tweak here on the edges on or personnel around you or maybe a, a quarterback coach that's different, that kind of thing. But when you're just starting your career and you're going through this kind of change already for Trevor Lawrence, who, you know, when you're picked number one, you are expected to be the quarterback for at least 10 years of that franchise, if not more. Now, it doesn't always work that way, but that's the goal. That's what the want is to invest in you that much. And these successful teams generally keep the general manager, quarterback, coach combo for a while. And they're going to have to reboot. And maybe it'll be good for him, but it's it's going to take some time on the next coach for Trevor Lawrence. And so that is where the business element of all this comes in. And you wonder when sometimes when we're evaluating careers and we, we talk about players like that, oh, he hasn't won any games, he hasn't been successful. 
Well, think about the environment. We know that here in Sacramento. Um, with some of the great players they've had here in this last 15 years, with DeMarcus Cousins have been an all-star on another team and looked at differently. You know, the way it was going for him, let's say, in New Orleans. And they were tracking the playoffs. And then he shredded his knee. But if he had made the postseason and been an all-star and played the way he was and then got to the postseason, maybe he's looked at differently. Um, Isaiah Thomas was looked at differently in Boston, wasn't he? League-wide, he was thought of as good here. He was in the contention for the MVP. It's environment a lot of times for these guys. And so if you have a toxic environment like they do in Jacksonville, it's really tough to succeed. And now they've cleansed that. The next hire is going to be critical for the organization and certainly for Trevor Lawrence in his growth to get better, to be that face of the franchise type quarterback that they're looking for as an all-pro for years to come. But certainly not there yet. Some other games to keep your eye on this weekend across the NFL schedule. Um, You look at the Titans and the Steelers. We've talked a lot about this week about the AFC North, how competitive it is, how uh, great it really is. I mean, I think I don't know if there's a great team in there. I shouldn't say great, but I don't know if there's a great team in the division. But I think that the balance from one to four is it's incredible to see coach quarterback uh, combinations there and Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. He is scheduled not to practice at all this week, but they're hopeful to play. Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin have had so many battles together. You like what Burrow is doing and Coach Taylor. And you just kind of go across that division and even Mayfield when he's healthy and Stefanski. So I think they've got good coaches, good quarterbacks, but they don't have that separation in that division. And so Titans-Steelers this weekend, when the Titans had that win resume that we refer to a lot of so many quality wins, but they've stubbed their toe here in two of the last three weeks and have not been able to secure their division yet. So it's an important game between two potential playoff teams there as the Steelers are right on that outside edge. Another one like that or a couple of 7-6 teams when you've got the Bengals and the Broncos from mile high this week. You know, that's a, a game where, you, where I look at that on the edges and look at quarterback play. And I would say I like Burrow over Bridgewater, but we'll see how that one goes. As Denver I told you before the season, that was my one team that I – There's always a team that goes from last to first. I didn't think they could do that because of Kansas City, but I really thought Denver would be a surprise team. And you look up and down their roster, I actually think their talent is really good. They really have some good players, even moving off of Vaughn Miller. They need – Bridgewater's fine, but you don't want to be fine at quarterback. You want to be great at quarterback. And so Denver has been searching for that position. They were able to get Manning for those few years, but they've just been searching for that position really for a long time to find someone that can hold that down for for several years. Uh, But that's a good one between the Bengals and the Broncos. Packers and Ravens turns into be an interesting game. I really like the way the Packers are playing right now. Got a good balance of run and pass game. Aaron Rodgers has just been incredible. And even with a couple of special teams miscues and big plays that the Bears had on them on Sunday night, Rodgers kept having the answer, and the run game looked good. And, you know, as of now, I have them as my number one team. They get they get home field. It's always tough to win at Lambeau. They've got a lot of playoff experience. I know they've come up short the last couple of years in the NFC title game, but they've got the talent to get there again. And you hope in their case that the past failures are things that are going to help them this year, but we don't know. We don't know until they're in that spot. And I would say another game to keep your eye on, uh, now that these have moved around a little bit, still you have the Saints and the Buccaneers on Sunday night. New Orleans is 
just basically out, but not quite. Tampa's just rolling, number one offense in the league. We mentioned that the Raiders-Browns was moved to Monday. You also have Vikings-Bears Monday. And then we'll get Tuesday football, too. And those games are both at 4 o'clock with Washington and the Eagles. Both are trying to put a little more pressure on Dallas and then Seattle and the Rams. And the Rams, I, I think I did see Odell Beckham Jr. tweet out this afternoon that he might be cleared after he went into COVID protocols earlier. But that whole uh, Rams roster basically has gone into health and safety protocol issues there. But Seahawks are just, just hanging on, though I don't believe in them. And the Rams coming off that big win. We'll see if they can add to it to wrap up the week of action. So lots of things going on in the NFL, certainly a lot of that COVID-related. But keep your eye on that Niner game. If the Niners can prevail, I think they're in just fantastic shape going into the postseason. And then we'll wait till Monday to see how the the uh, Monday afternoon football. And I know that was weird last year with all the games that got moved around and they had football literally for the first time ever or first time in years on every day of the week. At some point there was a Wednesday game, a Tuesday game. Of course, then we already know Monday, Thursday, there was a Friday game, Saturday, Sunday, all the way through. Um, but Monday afternoon football, that'll be kind of fun Four Kings basketball on Monday as well. All right. Speaking of the Kings, we're going to get back into them tonight as you know by now, they are undermanned big time. We'll kind of go over that roster again and talk about the matchup with this Grizzly team. Also, some more NBA notes. And Eric Hasseltine, voice of the Grizzlies, he's going to join us at 5. We look forward to that as we continue right here on your Home of the Kings. Sports 1140 KHDK. I can't see you without my glasses on. That's option two there, Chris. I like the other one better, but this one's not bad. The other one's got a good beat to it. Time to get a new mattress. Shop local at Sleep First. Back here on Sports 1140 KHK Kings basketball. Coming up an hour from now, it's game night. Scott Marsh and the High Flyer have that for you. And then we'll have Kings Live pregame at 630. And a little Friday night hoops tonight here at Golden One Center. As uh, the game is going on, I mean, uh, still haven't seen a player out there just yet for either side, but uh, that should be coming up here shortly as it's the Memphis Grizzlies and the Sacramento Kings. Now, the question, kind of as, as I say that, the game will go on. This may be giving a little bit more clarity when I asked the question earlier and saying, honestly, what would you do? You're the commissioner. What, what, would, what would be the choice? I know there's choices. What would you do? Well, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, he's uh, tweeted this out about 30 minutes ago, uh, in the wake of dozens of players being sidelined in the league's health and safety protocols, the NBA will discuss a plan with the NBA's Players Association that would allow teams to add additional replacement players. After the first case of COVID, a team would be permitted to add a 10-day player, but after a second, third, and fourth case, teams would be required to add a 10-day player. Teams would be limited to three replacement players. Salaries wouldn't count against the cap or the tax. They want to play the games. That's it. They want the games to go on. So... Um, if that's the case, and the Kings, to my knowledge, at, as of now, have enough to play. I don't think they've signed anybody. There's no wording or reporting on that. And the other part where the trickiness is with the Kings, it's not everybody with health and safety protocols. Now, that number still can grow. They have to test to find out if it will. And it's really hit a lot of players and even some staff members. But there are three players, I believe, tonight that are out with injuries. So that could change as quickly as Sunday. So could the numbers in could spike up with players that are impacted. But as Woj said there, 
it looks like they're going to discuss with other teams and, and league representatives and the Players Association about adding players, 10-day players. That doesn't count against your cap. So I think that's the answer that the league will look to do and to keep the games going, to keep them playing, and maybe this will cycle through and, and clean up in a little bit of time. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. We're all living this in real time. So tonight, if you missed it, the Kings are going to be drastically light on their roster. They're expected to have Tyrese Halliburton out. That's a, an injury issue. Also out with an injury issue, Chemezi Metu and Rashawn Holmes. But on the health and protocols or the safety protocols situation, Alex Len, De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, Terrence Davis, Marvin Bagley, and Lewis King. So that leaves the Kings with Harrison Barnes, Mo Harkless, Tristan Thompson, Buddy Heald, Robert Woodard, Jemias Ramsey, Damian Jones, and Amias Keda. So, uh, Chris, did that surprise you? Probably not. I don't know what you, you know. We we discussed this a lot. We inter, inter, uh, changed texts about. Oh, here's another person in COVID. If the league's answer as of now seems to be adding ten day players, players uh, on ten day. No, that's surprising. Like, what would be surprising if they paused the season? Yeah, because I, I mean, again, let's let's go down that road, Chris. What's the, what's the time? What's the frame? What do you say? Two weeks? Ten days? Seven days? I mean, I I don't know. I don't know the right answer to that. Yeah, and the NBA really wants those Christmas games. They do, and that you know, again, why? Well, money, money, exposure, fame. I mean, that's that's it's it's like that's a become a big big day for this league. Not everybody plays, but people are at home. It exposes the league to so many different people, and um. Yeah, I mean, if anything, you think if this was December 27th right now, would it be different? I don't know. They would have already got those games in. But, Man. you know, it was a lot easier to do the bubble, which they executed so amazingly well. But, like I said, they had the, it was, we were here the night the last game got shut down, the Kings and, and Pelicans, and then they had months to go, and they didn't start up again until whatever it was, August. So they had time to plan that. Wasn't easy. Executed it pretty well. And... Here we are again. And then last year, pretty much pretty much getting the games in with cutouts most everywhere. Some arenas had fans. I could see. Do you think there would be a, a chance, Chris, that they uh, limit fans? I don't know. In some cases, you know, we haven't had full arenas here. but I think that I think, depends on the city. I think it does. In the I, think, I, I think we will see limited fans. Well, we're already seeing that in Toronto, correct? I think they're just starting that, yes. And I know for a hockey, they're doing that for other – Hockey towns too. Yeah, yeah. Hockey's been really impacted. I mean, man, I mean, every sport has. I mean, baseball at this point is fortunate that they're not in action. I told you uh, the English Premier League—they're supposed to have ten games yes. this weekend. They're only having five. Wow. So you know, you you follow the path, you follow the trend, you see what's going on elsewhere, and you know, we you can't. Um, I guess you can plan for it. Whether or not you can avoid it is the other thing. When you're trying to say, hey, look, if you can, you know, I thought it was a huge advantage when the Kings went to Charlotte and were playing Charlotte with only seven guys. Kings didn't take advantage of it, but there are going to be nights when we didn't think Kyle Kuzma would play the other day. He was listed as out and questionable or doubtful, and then I guess he got the second negative test and was cleared and played. So, um, And the that, virus doesn't care if you're a bench player or a starter. Of course or, not. A G League player. Yeah, and then, you know what, I don't know, maybe if you've seen this, Chris, I w- I'm curious about this because someone asked me out here, and I didn't know the answer. We were talking earlier about um, 
uh, Russell Westbrook? Because wasn't there a report he was now cleared, or is it what, what? Do you know what is that cleared up? Yeah, he is cleared, and he's um, going to play. And from my understanding, is he had the two negative tests in twenty four okay. hours? Okay. Which LeBron's either was false, pot, you know, false test. I don't. know. He was back quickly. Man, those Lakers uh, tests uh, yeah. sure are strange. Yeah. Do they spend more money on quick test results? I don't know what's going on there. We should point out to someone actually sent me this text in the right. By definition, Chemezi Metu and Tyrese Halliburton are questionable tonight, and I mean they're questionable. So if, 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 if you could get Tyrese in the mix tonight, okay, that's different. I mean, that, that gives you a little bit of a, more than a glimmer of hope. Not that to win, but like, okay, now they're going to, now we're talking about functioning, looking like an NBA team. You'd um, actually have a point guard. Actually have a point guard. What a concept. And of all the positions, like, um, if I could pick, you're without something. Well, I'd hate to be without a center, but I'd take that over a point guard, being without a center. And in this case, the Kings have plenty of their big men tonight. They just don't. Uh, you hope that Metu or uh, Tyrese Halliburton can give it a go tonight. That's a hope, but they are listed as questionable. The rest of the group, though, that they do have um, are going to have to try to figure out a way to to go. And I, I know we said this earlier, and we kind of joke, but, but he healed. Chris, I, I'm sure there's uh, over-unders out there on how many shot attempts Buddy's going to get up today. I was just going to say we haven't done over-under in a while. Yeah, all right. Well, I'll set that for you. And this is a little bit unfair because at this, this moment, we're under the assumption that Tyrese Halliburton and Jamezi Metu aren't playing. We don't know, but let's go under that assumption. What would you set the over-under on field goal attempts by Buddy Heald? I was going to go three-point attempts by Buddy Heald. Oh, yeah, let's just do threes because, I mean, he'll – He'll get a layup attempt or two, but he's mainly shooting threes. So I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but I can I can see this happening. I think we might have seen him get close to that. But I'm going to set the over-under for three-point attempts for Buddy Heal tonight at 14.5. Okay, uh, good. I thought you were going to go like a really, really crazy number. Yeah, Buddy can do that. I'm just going to do a quick, quick check here. I'm going to bear with me here on the, the box scores because I have them all here in front of me. I'm going to see where Buddy field goal, three-point attempts, and if, see if how many times he's been... Close to that number. You're at, what, 14 and a half? Yeah. Game two, he shot 15. <laughs> um, okay, that's the only one I've seen at 15. Let me quick. There's an 11. Um, oh, you single digits there. Single digits there. Uh, 12. Shot 12 against Dallas. So uh, I don't know if you want to modify it or you want to keep it. I mean, that's you still know, a high number. You know, I'm going to mo- modify it because he hasn't done it yet. I'm going to set it at 15 and a half. Okay, there's 12. There's another 11. I think there's a game he was close to that, Chris, but I haven't found it yet. Uh, well, I guess he was close, but um, there's another 10. Oh, there's a 14 against Minnesota, 5 of 14. And you're putting it at what, 15 and a half? 15 and a half. All right, there's another 12. That one's single digits. Um, there's an 11. 11. I mean, these are just threes, everybody, by the way. It's not field goal attempts overall. Ooh, there's a 13. Well, that was a triple overtime game, so at least he did uh, had some extra time, 15 extra minutes in that one. Um, yeah, I think you're. I think that's a good number. That'll be a season high. Ooh, a one for 10 for Buddy. Um, okay, 15 and a half it is. I like that. Um, I'm going to take the. I'm going to take the under. Believe it or not. Okay. I don't know why. I don't have a good reason for it. But I'm going to take the under. What's the record for threes made? 14? Um, yeah, didn't Clay hit 14? I think so. Or 12. 14, I think. Man. 
Yeah, I think he did that in Chicago a couple years ago. So, um, but the problem is, I mean, Buddy's so, uh, he could be 10 of 15. He could be 1 of 15. And he's still taking that three. Oh, yeah, for sure. And of all nights, though, I think, you know, I, I don't know Doug's game plan, the coaching staff's game plan, but is there a moment? I mean, look, we I think we all know the difference, except for Buddy, of what is a good three. Um, but I, I don't know if you take him out just because he's taking threes. You seriously don't know what the game plan is for tonight? What is it? I played you the audio at the oh, beginning you know of the what? show. We need, to, we need to remind everybody because you found the coach audio of the game plan, and I, I had I had heard it once. I think everybody needs to hear it again. And then we'll just, you know, see what happens. You ready? Wait, wait, wait. So we're just going to wing it? Piper, there's a big difference between winging it and seeing what happens. Now let's see what happens. Clear. We're just going to see what happens. Not going to wing it. <laughs> Why would they do that? That's irresponsible. That would be dumb. Yeah. Just crazy talk. So, yeah, I think right now, and this is this is a little bit weird. I feel like we normally would have had players out here by now, and it hasn't happened yet. That's not meaning there's anything else going on. Um, it's still very, very early in the night, but it feels like there's been, and I know they, they had the gym closed earlier today, but still haven't seen anybody uh, from either side uh, out here just yet. But I'm sure that time will come here shortly. Coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to visit with Eric Hasseltine. We'll get a little more perspective on these Memphis Grizzlies because what a story they've become now at 18 and 11 separating themselves from that that wash of teams that have been a game above 500 500 a game or two below certainly the Kings are 12 and 17 they're in that mix but uh, Memphis is propelled way past them and why nine and one without John Morant truly amazing and also we'll ask when we can expect to see John Morant back Memphis will be here again the day after Christmas so we're going to see the Grizzlies a couple more times after they uh, embarrassed the Kings a few weeks ago. So we'll take the break here. We'll come back. Much more to get to here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Jason Ross here with you. As uh, coming up in just a few moments, about 10 minutes from now, we're going to visit with Eric Hasseltine. Good to always see Eric. He'll be in town here tonight for the Kings and the Grizz. As he's the radio voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, we'll get his perspective here coming up in a few moments. Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. Now, the other part about uh, tonight's unique nature of this game with the Kings so undermanned um, everything about it is different, too, and not just, okay, the obvious of they've only got eight available players. Um, normally, the general routine and the general flow of things here is there could be a morning workout, a morning film session, maybe the, a morning shoot-around, or um, a pregame workout. And what that might mean is sometimes I'm here on at 4.30 and you'll see a closed bowl situation where no one's really allowed in and they um, do a – like just a small little walkthrough of a couple little game plan and scheme things that they want to do. That's it. Well, that hasn't happened until just this second. We hadn't seen a player from either team out on the floor. We just got a player from Memphis that has made it out on the floor. Uh, The Kings um, couldn't, you know, the facility was shut down. 
So they could communicate via Zoom and different things like that. Um, but the, the, everything is off. Everything is off of their, what I would say is, quote, unquote, normal routine. So they are going to, for lack of a better term, it's not just show up and play, but it's close to that. They're going to be prepared and have a game plan and have a scheme of what they want to do. But it won't be a normal routine. It won't be what they're accustomed to. And that's one of the many, many challenges that await the Kings today, despite the obvious of questionable players tonight and Tyrese and Chemezi Metu. And hopefully one, if not both, can give it a go. But as of now, listed as questionable. Out, Alex Len, Lou King, Terrence Davis, Marvin Bagley, Rashawn Holmes, Davion Mitchell, and De'Aaron Fox. For the Grizzlies, by the way, we mentioned John Morant. We keep saying his name being out, but it looks like they're going to have Zaire Williams, Sam Merrill, and Brandon Clark are scheduled to be out as well. But they're 18-11, and 11, and in this Western Conference, um, you know, they've, they've done a really good job here, and they could have gone the other way. I thought it would go the other way for Memphis. When Memphis found out the injury, and it was a weird uh, non-contact away from the uh, – well, he had the ball, but he was on the right angle, I think it was, for, for Ja when he got hurt. And it just was one of those, ooh, that's scary. And he knew he was injured. You never really saw what the actual, where it happened, but you could tell he was worried about it, and he went out. And since that point, though, for them to go 9-1, and one, what that has done for Memphis, it has firmly put them into the fourth spot. Everybody's chasing the Warriors and the Suns. And then you got Utah, who I've been very high on. I think this is a really good basketball team that's been through a lot and has so much experience together. I I can picture Utah taking a deep run into the playoffs, if not all the way. Um, Then there's Memphis. And after Memphis, the only other teams above 500 in the West are both L.A. teams, the Lakers and the Clippers. And, you know, the Clippers are having to do this without their best player. And the Lakers, you know, it just – they're a team when you watch them. What night is it? A good night? They look good. You know, when things are kind of right. But – even the game here, I know, I know they completely flipped it that night, but they just looked, the first half, I thought they looked disinterested, unorganized, not a lot of fire and passion. Now, in the end, they steamrolled the Kings because they flipped that game dramatically, but they do that a lot. They've, they had that incredible meltdown early this year when they were up 26, late third, and lost to, um, they lost to OKC. Uh, they, they've just done a lot of that this year. Now, they hope to be right and healthy and all put together come postseason time. That's what they're hoping for. But as of this point, it's not there for them. But they're 16 and 13. Still a really, really good team. Or good team. I shouldn't go much further than that. Dallas, Denver, 500. Behind them, there's Minnesota. Two games below 500. And the Kings, as the night starts tonight, currently in the 10th spot. Even with all the things they've done wrong, with... Uh, the issue they have tonight, and who knows if this progresses and even goes further on with them or not. Uh, but there they are at 12 and 17. And then I think the biggest puzzle and curious nature in all of this is what's going on with Portland. And the Blazers are 11 and 18. They have lost now seven consecutive games. And, yeah, they certainly miss C.J. McCollum. But in this run, they've had Dame, and they have just underperformed. And a, a team that... I keep telling with the trade deadline. I know trade season kind of feels like it's officially started with uh, December 15th. But when the trade deadline comes here, which team is aggressive? Which team makes that move? Which team does something that changes their outlook for the better that really starts to rise them up 
in the Western Conference playoff picture because I think that can happen with a bold stroke. Um, and a lot of times that's interpreted as, wow, they just traded for a young all-star and that's a difference maker. That always helps. But, you know, it could be a fit. It could be a subtle trade that, man, that, that just fit with this team at this time was the perfect answer. And who that is for the Kings or for another team, I don't know. But I think if that is done and done properly, watch out for that team. And I don't know if this is going to be one of those things that because so many teams are still in basically the equation here, if it's going to create a very high-volume trade deadline or not. Because I think some teams, it is not part of their plan to make the postseason. If they do, great. They're not going to turn it down. The Kings, you can tell this organization wants to. They want to. They've said it. They've been very vocal. They've been public about it. They want to. They want to end this playoff drought. I think we all want that, but it's got to be done in the right way. And they're trying to do it in the right way. They haven't been able to execute it that way, but that's what they're going for. So we'll see what is done there. But we got to talk more about this game tonight, more about Memphis and how they've done it. We're going to do that with Eric Hasseltine when he joins us to start the 5 o'clock hour. We'll do that here from Golden One Center when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK.